Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Uh, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Mobile Syrup Syrup Cast, episode 11, where we do it for the pod at a weekly cadence. Uh, I'm very happy to have uh, my partner in crime, Daniel Bader, here with us live from Chicago, the Windy City, so with some I got, exciting uh, Motorola news. I got Common sitting next to me, but uh, you know, just for brevity's sake, I won't show him to you. Eating all that weird Chicago-style pizza. And then um, here with me in the T dot representing Jane McIntaggart. Hello. And if you're expecting any other mobile news this week, not related to hardware announcements, this is the wrong podcast for you because, uh, as we saw yesterday, uh, September is the time of phone announcements. Uh, and as we, as the mobile ecosystem grows. Uh, Smartwatch announcements. The crazier, the better. And VR announcements. But uh, let's get into the the fun stuff, Daniel. You're you're in Chicago talking with Motorola, and you're getting to play with all the things that we've yet to play with. So why don't you give us the rundown of both the announcements and, and your hands-on impressions? Because you're our hands-on guy. Yeah. So while I'm speaking to you, we're actually still under embargo. But uh, that will lift by the time this comes out, which is kind of cool because I'm actually talking in the future, and uh, I'm in talking the in the future. <laughs> I'm talking about this lovely device. This is the Moto X, not to be confused with this lovely guy, which is also the Moto X. Um, they're not renaming them, so it's just going to be the Moto X. Moto so it's not the plus one. No, it is not. In so the Lukes were correct. Internally, it's known as the Mo Moto X plus one just because they don't want to get the SKUs confused. Mm -hmm. uh, but this will be coming to Canada. It's going to be coming on TELUS. Um, we don't know pricing right now, but TELUS will be the launch partner. And uh, there's also a new Moto G, which is five inches. Uh, it's pretty much the same hardware as the previous version, but it's got an eight megapixel camera instead of a five. It's got a five-inch display, still very nice. It's going to be super cheap, but we don't have pricing. Um, and then there's the Moto 360, which is coming to Canada later this fall for 279. Uh, and then there was this awesome in-ear bud uh, Bluetooth headset thing called the Moto Hint. And we haven't been able to use that yet because it's still very much a pre-production thing. But it basically looks like one of those Secret Service earbuds, and it will communicate with your Moto X, um, and it allows you to basically say what you would say to your phone, but into your ear. And you get turn-by-turn -turn directions. You can, like, do anything you can on Google Now, but it's all done using voice in your ear. And uh, it's pretty cool. So, yeah, Moto X is probably the biggest thing here. I, I really like the 360, but we've seen it before. Uh, it's still got a DAP display, but they're not calling it Moto Display. 
So it's got this um, Super AMOLED display that uses uh, the screen to display notifications. Now you have more notifications, which is great. Uh, and then you have this really weird uh, dual LED ring around the camera. So it doesn't look very good, I think. It actually looks kind of ugly, but it makes for a very interesting looking phone. So... Um, you think that phone yeah. looks ugly? I think that phone looks like just the all the sexiness. I think even the camera, like the dual, the dual LED looks ugly. Like the... No, yeah, I think everything looks good, but I mean, just compare the simplicity of the Moto X, which was symmetrical. It had the mm. camera, the flash below, and then this little dimple to this. It just, I don't know, it just seems a little bit uh, obtuse. But um, Have you taken any photos with it yet? Not, not really. How does the flash the, well, I don't know. The flash is not a big deal because nobody ever uses flashes. But apparently, the camera itself is a, way better than it was, and that's one thing for me that was the biggest, um, the most lackluster aspect of the original was just the terrible camera. And uh, this really addresses everything that the original didn't have, except for the fact that it only has 16 gigs of internal storage and no expandability. So. Um, and we're not getting Moto Maker in Canada, so that sucks. So it's going to be basically for Canada. It's going to be either that ugly as sin bamboo or or white. Oh, I like the bamboo. I don't like yeah. the bamboo. Yeah. I like the bamboo. It'll be either the ugly as sin bamboo or the black, which is really okay. nice. Yeah. Um, anyway, sorry. Go ahead. You guys. Um. So what what do you think? I mean, you Did guys. You, you you got the the 360, right? Is I, it? Is it as beautiful in person? Like, what do you think? Have you been Have you been using it? I I think it's the by far the nicest looking um, Android Wear device to date. They also announced two special editions that are going to come to Canada later in the year, hopefully. Uh, they're stainless steel bands, so there's going to be a black stainless steel version and a regular mm -hmm. brushed aluminum or so brushed aluminum stainless steel, a brushed stainless steel version. And uh, they're beautiful because they go really nicely with the um, with the uh, watch face itself, which is made of metal. But uh, the standard versions that we're getting are gray and black leather, and they just they, they look like watches. I mean, these are way nicer than anything. Even even the new Asus, like that, doesn't even come close. Yeah. Yeah. So just following up what we were talking about last week with the um, what was the LG. Announcement like this: this idea that it's got to be an acceptable-looking watch first, and then a smartwatch second. Uh, but how do you feel about the the price then? Two seventy-nine, which is a a That's little expensive. bit higher than what we've seen. Yeah, it 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 does seem a little bit higher. But you have to think, okay, what can this do? So it has a heart rate sensor. It also has wireless charging and a cradle. That's awesome. And they actually source the leather in the t in, in the bands from Chicago. So they found this local tannery that uh, is supplying them with all of their leather. And I think it, it is, it, you know, yeah, it's a little bit more expensive if you compare it to, like, the Gear Live. But when you compare it to the, um, the, the G Watch, it's, like, 30 bucks more, and I totally think it's worth it. Yeah, but don't you think that, in general, smartwatches are too expensive? If you're looking at something like the Moto G, which is, like, like a $300 phone, and then you're looking at an accessory like the, the 360, which is almost the same price. Like, it seems like a lot to pay for an accessory when when the source of its information, like where it's drawing all of its information from, is almost the same price. Yeah, I don't think you can look at it that way, though, because you're you're essentially buying a computer. You have a... a but you're buying a computer that requires a second computer to function. Like, it's a companion yeah. device at the end of the day. 
Yeah, but you still can. I mean, it's still a watch. I mean, first and foremost, they're selling it as a watch. Well, does it okay. function as a watch? Because my uh, I left my pebble to die over the weekend. Did not take it to the cottage because that would be silly. Um, powered it up today. It was not initially paired, and it thought it was Saturday, <laughs> so it literally couldn't function as a watch uh, until I paired it to my phone. Um, so, but let's you know we have tons of other announcements. Whether or not smartphone are, or smartwatches are going to be worthwhile as smartwatches, or um, it's a whole other pod. yeah, it's a whole other pod, and we have maybe uh, a bajillion other announcements to go through. So I, I guess we we probably want to do this by and Daniel. I don't know how much time uh, you have left here, so uh, thank you for the Motorola stuff. Um, if we can, I, I want to do the Samsung uh, news right now because not only were you in Chicago. Uh, you were also in uh, New York, the the Big Apple, uh, eating the New York style pizza, um, spending some time hands on with the Note 4 and the Note Edge, um, as well as what I think should be your profile picture for all time, the Gear VR. Yeah. So in contrast to the subdued atmosphere of Motorola, and everything here is super chill. The employees are basically just like, yeah, guys, we made a really cool phone. You know, we use it. We make it for ourselves. If you want to buy it, cool. We'll still be here. Whereas Samsung is like, rah, 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 our phone is the best. You must buy our phone. Um, these are the reasons that we are so much better than Apple. And over the course of their keynote, they kept on reiterating that they are innovators. They are not followers. That they made metal phones before Apple made metal phones. They made... Um, edge-to-edge screens before anybody else made edge-to-edge screens. And it was really apparent that they were trying to push back against some of the criticism of, that they've received over the last couple of years, that, they're, that they just take other people's ideas and market the hell out of them and then sell them as their own products. So what I saw from the Note 4 was a really well-made smartphone. If you just took a smartphone, the, if you took the Note 4 and removed Samsung's legacy from it, um, you would have a... Like, I cannot tell you how much more... Uh, usable the the uh, TouchWiz from 2014 is over just a year ago. It is night and day. It's nice. It's smooth. Uh, it doesn't beat you over the head with uh, features. They actually uh, they actually help you download new features instead of just preloading everything on your phone and slowing it down. So it seems like they finally realized that they can't just throw the kitchen sink at you because you're actually going to um, like suffocate under the weight of it. So um, they, they've they've really changed their attitude. the The Note Four is a it's it's just a huge device. It's massive. So and it's dense. Like it's 180 grams. It feels like a tablet, uh, and that's because it has a metal frame. But uh, because it's like six inches. It's huge. Yeah, it's 5.7. 5.7. Yeah. It's got a really nice screen. The the QHD display on it has, is way better than the uh, IPS display that's found on the LG G3. Uh, yeah, last week we were talking about how we didn't think any device needed such a high-resolution display. Do you think that... Oh, it's totally overkill. I mean, don't get me wrong. If they just improved the, uh, the Note 3 screen, it would be just as good. I mean, I couldn't tell the difference in terms of, um, in, in terms of pixel density, but, it was ne- but neither was it distractingly bad the way that the G3 is, is often 
distractingly bad. So mm. it doesn't take away from anything. And the fact that it has a new Snapdragon 805 chip means that it won't actually slow down like the G3 did because it's running the same chip as the Galaxy S5, but uh, there's way more pixels to push. So... What did you think of the uh, the specific software improvements? Because you know, while you were in New York, listening to uh, the acerbic <laughs> comments, the acerbic yet witty comments of one Mr. Ryan Biden, mm. uh, we were um, watching the live stream from uh, I don't know where it was located. It looked Berlin. like in Berlin. Yeah, but I'm not sure where in Berlin, but it was huge. Um, and oh. the the presentation was significantly different because. Uh, obviously, much more highly orchestrated, three people speaking, and talking a lot about the uh, the core experiential components to both the design and then the what they decided to focus on with the software. So, looking at like the multitasking and things like that. What, have, have you been able to get a sense of that just playing with it, or the things that they're doing with the S Pen? Yeah, I mean, this is not a huge uh, change from last year. The multitasking menu is interesting because they basically stole it from stock Android L. I don't know if there's any advantage to it other than aesthetic, but um, they are really emphasizing content partnerships this time. So they've gone all in with Flipboard instead of trying to mask the fact that they're not using Flipboard for their kind of news briefing panel. They're just going all in with it. They're calling it Flipboard briefing. It's really nice. Um, The S Pen has been simplified so you only have like four things you can do they've combined a bunch of the functions that you would usually have to do two or three different things for into a single function I don't remember the specifics but um, what they're trying to do now is allow you to take a screenshot or a bit of a snippet of your screen and it will then scan that for any usable information and and Mm -hmm. you can then share it with other apps and stuff so they're really trying to make it into a computer or as close to a laptop-type experience as you can get on a smartphone. Um, yeah, they actually use the analogy of using it as a mouse um, during the Berlin presentation, which I found in- interesting. I don't know how that how that sells. But, um, okay, then moving forward, because, you know, the one thing that they didn't talk about in Berlin as much, which really surprised me because it's almost the more interesting device. Yeah. And as, as you, you know, mentioned, talking about pushing this idea of being first and innovation things like that, I think the, the Note Edge is a really interesting thing that I don't think Samsung necessarily knows what to do with yet. So um, just going through, I think the specific features, so it's obviously the right edge of the of the screen kind of waterfalls over, and uh, through software it can be set up as a, a second display area, which can be used for, um, I think, notifications, um, a, uh, kind of like a widget, streaming ticker. An alarm clock at night. Yeah, like a, an app launcher um, and a few other features. And I was really surprised that obviously the Note 4 was a big flagship uh, device for Samsung, but the, the Note Edge is pretty much the same thing. Um, and they spent way less time talking about it, and it almost seemed like they they were throwing out, here's all the things that you can do with this. We don't know exactly what customers are going to respond to yet. Um we'll wait and see and then maybe iterate on that. Like that classic Samsung, here's a bunch of stuff, here's that kitchen sink, and then we're going to iterate on the next one. Yeah, so I talked to Ken Price, the head of marketing for Samsung Canada, and he kind of acknowledged that they don't really know what this is. Um, They have this technology demo. They have this, I mean, I don't know if 
Jane, if you were at CES a couple of years ago, but Samsung was actually showing a prototype of this exact yeah. type of device. And they, they didn't know what it was then either. No, and they still and, and they still don't. But now that now they can actually scale it um, to the point of distribution. So what he said was the reason they didn't talk about it is because inventory is going to be extremely limited when it first comes out. Not mm -hmm. to mention the fact that North American a North American uh, sorry a Canadian release is not uh, guaranteed. American it's been um, pegged for I think all four carriers in North in in America, but they still don't know what the hell it is, and they want to build up. Um, app use cases for it by releasing an SDK the way that they did with the uh, S Pen and with multi-windows. So until they really have a lot of extra third-party use cases for it, I don't know if you're going to hear a lot about it. I mean, the Note 4 is still going to sell like gangbusters and they're going to use the Edge to talk about how much more advanced the Note is than the, than the, the S line. And then I think what they'll continue to do is expand the note line into other form factors. So you'll get this sort of tiered system the way they have in their tablets where you'll have their the entry-level devices, then you'll have the mainstream devices, and then you'll have the premium devices. So you have three categories of, of smartphones. One of the things I hate about the their tablet line is that it's so, it seems so convoluted and they just like, they seem to just release tablets like crazy. And like they just, it's so, it's not refined, it doesn't seem like they have any clear idea of their tablet line, they just kind of release a tablet for, for every instance that they can think of, and I, I would hate to see the, the Note line go down that road, because even the Galaxy S has kind of gone that way with, like, the Galaxy S Active, and... Like, yeah, we were talking the, about that last week. When, yeah, where they've got, like, a million and one different, like, variations of the same phone. Totally, and I, I do worry about that to some extent, but I also think that the, the Edge is, like, the it's like the G Flex of of notes, right? Or or of it's Samsung's G Flex. They had the technology, and they tried to um, shoehorn it into a into a consumer product without realizing or thinking about what it could actually do to help people. Mm -hmm. So there's no distinct advantage. It's actually quite uncomfortable to use because it's wider, and it moves the power button onto the top of the device, which is really uncomfortable for a phone that big. So you're met with this experience of like, I have to basically fit this phone's uniqueness into my own lifestyle, but you have no idea how to do that because there's never been anything like this before. Um, but to be fair, a lot of people said the same thing about the Note when it first came out. They had no idea why you would want a phone that big. And uh, early adopters found use cases for it, and then it eventually became super popular. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't think this is the... Um, this is going to sell like crazy. I just think it's a good experiment for Samsung to see whether there's public interest. And because they're so vertically integrated, they won't they won't lose money on it because they probably have expectations for volume, and uh, they are going to adjust their distribution accordingly. Yeah, and then I would assume that you know bringing something to market only, um, I think hammers out the logistical requirements for them to if they have a, a future model to really be able to like build that to scale, right? This is if if it's a limited run, there is you know they'll probably sell it out and and be ready to go for the next one. But okay, so in in the interest of discussing um, things that they've released that don't seem like people are going to know how to use them, good lord, the Gear VR, like so, Jane. I think at this point you might have been um, 
you might have jumped to covering other de- device announcements. But what was your what was the first thought going through your head when you when you? Well, saw it's the it? same as any like I think that we started first hearing about like the Gear VR maybe like a year ago or like definitely like around CES time, like stuff like earlier this year. And it's so ridiculous for anybody to think that this like I don't know if they're if they're kind of targeting like a kind of like as a mobile device because you it's like the the Google cardboard you like put the phone in the back of the goggles. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that means it's supposed to be that you can take it anywhere or if people are expected to use it at home. I just don't get it. I well, don't get perhaps- why Yeah, but I don't get why if you're not if they don't expect you to sit on a bus with this giant thing on your head, if they're like, well no, like you're supposed to use this at home, it's like a home entertainment thing. I don't know why if I have a home entertainment thing I wouldn't want it powered by something that isn't my phone. I, I just don't understand. I don't it seems like for me it's like the edge thing. I'm like, why do you want to do this? Like why do you want to do this? Like why does Samsung want to get into this space? Well it just seems I, so weird to me. I, I don't know if the portability thing's gonna like, you know, I don't see people sitting on the bus with this thing yet, yeah. especially since uh, Daniel, I think you were mentioning during the there they were like preventing you from walking around with it because you would just like walk into stuff because you know the 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 VR experience is significant. But um, I think I think the straps are more so that with with the was the Google Cardboard you actually have to hold it up. Whereas no, 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 no. I know the straps. Like it's just like it's, it's supposed to be so you can sit there and be comfortable. I just don't understand why it exists. I don't. I would never want to use this product. If I was gonna have an entertainment experience, I would use like a standalone system. I wouldn't. I wouldn't base it on my my smartphone. Well, but uh, so I think the the relationship then with Oculus and um, John Carmack was actually at yeah. the the Berlin presentation. I think is very informative because it it's indicates probably this idea that or or a hypothesis that customers are more likely to buy something um, that it that is enabled through their phone. That's rather fair. than taking the leap on VR technology right away. And I, I can surely see Oculus looking to create um, a hierarchy or stack of VR um, systems so that there's there's almost like a an, an entry device for people. Because, you know, obviously, you know, the this is just a, a phablet screen that sits in front of uh, two splitters rather than right. what... Oculus is doing, but it, it's still kind of Oculus approved, right? No, no, but that is, the, that is exactly what Oculus is doing. So Oculus is... Um, the Gear VR is an Oculus, essentially. The only difference is that an Oculus has a built-in screen, mm. which is actually a Note, Note 3. The, the, oh, yeah. the prototypes were using a Note 3 screen. Um, the, the other thing is that you're not looking at your phone screen. You're not seeing... No. Android projected in front of you in 3D. There's a custom UI that's been developed specifically for the Gear VR based on Oculus's um, virtual reality optimizations, and it has a proprietary uh, input m- method, so you don't have to kind of use it the same way you would use an Android phone. Um, mm-hmm. So it's basically just using the hardware of your smartphone as a conduit to um, installing apps and uh, enabling other features, but it's not you're not base you're not using your smartphone on your uh, in your eyes like it's it's not. No, it's not I know. Transmitting no, I, didn't, I didn't mean anything bad, but I, I, go ahead, Jane. I'm just saying that I I think that I don't know if the Note as a platform would be able to handle the kind of games that I would want to play using a VR headset. 
Oh, it can. Temple Run? I mean, they told you. Yeah. But, uh, this, I mean, what kinds of games are you thinking of? I don't know. Like, at the, the, the demo, the demos at CES, we had, like, we were using like, Oculus to, to play, like, Half-Life and stuff. Yeah, you could play Half-Life on, uh, the, the, the Adreno 420 is just as fast, what's well, slightly less fast than the Shields, um, Tegra K1. So, you, if you look at, like, that, you know, you could definitely play Half-Life. Or yeah, even Half-Life 2. But doesn't that indicate a market break? Like, if someone wants to... Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash boast. Play, if, if you're a hardcore gamer that wants to get into the VR stuff, you're going to buy something made straight from Oculus. If you are the type of person that buys a phablet because you don't want to carry a phone and a tablet or a phone and a laptop, you're going to probably be more likely to buy something that works with your phablet for that experience because you're probably a little less dedicated but um, may still be interested. It's like the difference between buying a flat screen TV, like an HD 1080p uh, screen, and someone investing in like a 72-inch screen home entertainment system, right? There's got to be... For for VR to work, for the for the industry to work, there's got to be a stratification of this, entry points. This needs to have porn. I feel like the gear viewer needs to have porn. I feel like that's gonna like movies and like porn are gonna be like the main use case for something like this. It'll be games. It'll be virtual <laughs> reality porn games. Yeah. Porn games. Hundred percent. Choose your own okay, adventure. Well, flashlight. We hit we hit porn. Way later than I thought there, but that indicates that it's time to move on. So, uh, let's talk Sony. Oh yeah. my God! Oh is, my. Uh, the fourth. Is there anything on. that Sony didn't announce yesterday? Jane, why don't you walk us through? Because you you killed this, right? Your announcement. Is there anything proposed. that Sony didn't announce that we didn't already know about? I mean, we had so much yesterday that we had heard about already. I think the only thing that we we hadn't really heard about it was the smart band talk, which is um, the upgraded version of their their fitness band, and it adds like an e ink display, um, which is pretty cool. Um, I'm kind of ready. You remember how much that costs? I think it's going to be like one nine nine or something. Is that? Did I remember that? Did I remember that? Um, checking now, but as as I checked, it's one hundred sixty. It's one hundred sixty euro. So that's, that's like too much. That's like yeah, it's like two hundred ten dollars. But I think that they'll probably they'll probably price it at like one hundred and one hundred sixty dollars. I I I would hope. Considering when you have devices like the the Moto, the Moto 360, which is what like 260. So the, so, the price conversion won't be one to one. They'll they'll no, keep I it. it. Well, no, I doubt it. I think it might be one to one. I think it might be 160 dollars. I would hope so. Um, I hope they would just do but like a so direct was, switch out of the, con, the currency. Yeah, um, and I I don't even really know if at at one six we were talking about 279 for uh, Moto 360. Yeah, 160 is like. But so so we got the uh, Xperia Z3. Yeah, the Z3, the Z3, Z3 Compact. The Z3 Compact Tablet. 
Thank you. Almost missed that one. The Xperia E3, which is their mid-range option. We have the SmartWatch 3, and then we had... Uh, I feel like I'm missing seven tablets that they also announced. No, they only had oh, no, one tablet. The stuff. Okay. Um, so yeah, the E3 is a weird device. Do we care device. about any of them? No, I don't... I, like, the Z3 is the same as the Z2, mostly. Um, it can shoot video in 4K, I think. Um, but other than that, like it's, it looks kind of the same, and I think they tried to. I think they knew too, because they tried to pitch it as, oh, we're conti- This is like you know, continuing on the success of like the Z2 is the Z3, and I'm like, it's because it's the same phone, like with just like a few like tweaks, a few key differences. Um, other than that, it's. I was th- I was thinking about this yesterday. Is this not a brilliant move by Sony though, because they basically <laughs> have to do one thing, and do it over and over again. And it's, I mean, Apple's been successful with this, but Sony can't get away with doing what Apple does because even the hardware increases year over year between Apple devices are significant enough to warrant new names. But I don't think this device is anywhere near different enough from the Z2, which was nowhere near different enough from the Z1, which was only slightly better than the Z, to warrant having four generations of phones that look and feel exactly the same. It's, it's sort of insulting in a way. Well, it's, it's interesting because you, you, know, we've, you see that in the um, laptop space and you see that a little bit in the tablet space where the, the need to rebrand each, each model each year, if it's a refresh, is not as prevalent. Um, I was really surprised that Motorola is taking that stance, um, that it's, it's not the, the G1. G plus one. <laughs> it's funny. We, we have a different name for it internally because we don't want to get confused. But we're going to keep the same name for consumers because they won't be confused in any way. But um, <laughs> I think I think this is... Isn't this like... There are parts of Sony that still make really cool hardware. It's um, not their phone division. Um, and there are parts of Sony that are just like, screw it. <laughs> we're just going to gut the thing, put in some new internals and concede, or, or maybe they're just like, this is the perfect hardware design. They're That's what I think. Like. Maybe they're just like, they cannot improve upon it. It is perfection. But they do this, and you see this in other places, like the E3 was announced yesterday, and this is one that, like, was not rumored at all. Like, Sony had been saying it had three devices, and then this one just kind of came out a little bit out of nowhere the night before, and was leaked. But when we were, like, when we were hearing about it, and it was a mid-range phone, we were thinking, like, yeah, this might be... This might be one of the most exciting things that they announced tomorrow. This could be a competitor to the Moto G because they had the M2 earlier this year, and mm-hmm. that was just a bit disappointing. And then the, e- the E3 was announced yesterday, and it's almost exactly the same as the M2, but in some cases worse. It has less storage. It's got a lower resolution display. It's like, I don't yeah. get it. It's close, in the, close enough for them to keep it in that, that price range, but the margins are probably better on the device for them to make more profit off of it. Um, I think we have indication, I don't know if we posted this yet, but pretty much all of the Sony announcements are coming to Canada in some form or another, right? So Yeah, um, which is actually kind of cool because I think the from like just from a, a sheer device perspective, the Z3 Compact is by far the most interesting one. Hmm. You know, it's a four point six inch phone that's really slim, light, and has a twenty point seven megapixel camera and like mm-hmm. a twenty six hundred milliamp hour battery. Like that's pretty damn good. And I'm one. I, I prefer a device, you know, around the size of the of the Moto X, the original one, 
and that sounds like it's just up my alley. So I think a lot of people are going to be quite happy with that. Yeah, and then uh, following following the latest developments, all the advertisements are based upon it being uh, water resistant, right? Or I guess waterproof. Well, they're all waterproof. I mean, that's one of the that's one of Sony's continued advantages is that all of their devices are waterproof, and um, and like not just like resistant, but like you can you can basically submerge this in water for a week, and it'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Do you think that relates a bit to the the hardware similarity, like the, just the need for them to like have they figured out something in terms of uh, waterproofing that relates? They figured out how to make one phone waterproof, and they're just going to keep releasing the same phone. Yeah, but I don't think that's that's fair because you know you can still create different. I mean, even the Moto X, like the new one, is is looks different from the Moto X. Shit, you're right. That's so annoying. Um, you know, it's like the Z3 is slightly slimmer, slightly lighter, and slightly, you know, has slightly smaller bezels around the screen, but is otherwise unchanged. Mm-hmm. I don't think that warrants a new name. I'm sorry, Sony. You you don't have the right to call it the Z3. Well, they have the right to do whatever they want, but they also have the right to no longer be a hardware leader, right? But so talking about, I guess, one thing that, that interested me uh, just in a, in a minor way, just the forwarding the Android Wear, with the SmartWatch uh, 3 announcement yesterday, we got con- confirmation um, that standalone functionality, uh, like certain aspects will be coming to Android Wear, so it won't be a right. complete mirror of what's happening on your phone. So that includes uh, GPS support, uh, ability to interact with other Bluetooth devices, so the yeah. smartwatch would not just a slave uh, unit. Um, is there anything else? You know, the smartwatch 3 is another thing where the European pricing is 230 euros, which is about 249 uh, Canadian. Comparing what the smartwatch 3 is offering in relation to say something like the Moto 360, is there any interest in this device? Um, Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Sony's had a good pedigree. It has a good pedigree when it comes to um, smartwatches. I mean, the smartwatch 1 and 2 were not uh, impressive hardware, uh, software-wise, but uh, they have enough experience to make decent products, and I've always liked Sony's hardware. Um, You know, I like the smart band. I like what they're doing with it. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't um, think I'd pick it over the Moto 360, though. No. It looks, I think it looks really kind of, um, I don't know, it looks more like a sport watch. It looks kind of juvenile. It's like it's square, like all encased in rubber. Like it doesn't, it doesn't look like a watch that you'd wear every day. Yeah, um, but it's, 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 got that, it's that classic Sony, slightly understated but also obtuse design, right? Maybe. Um, I think, like you said, Doug, just going back to what you said before, that Google talked earlier this week about how Android Wear was going to have several updates before the end of the year that would bring standalone functionality like GPS support and, you know, support for other wearable devices. Um, they never actually said that when those updates will be coming, but the launch of the, the SmartWatch 3 is for October, so I guess we can assume that those updates will be here within, like, the next, like, six to eight weeks, which is kind of awesome. Yeah, and then that's all software updates, which are then... Like, will be utilized by hardware, yeah, in the devices, I guess. Yeah, so is there any indication that the Moto 360 will be able to do that stuff, Daniel? Did they mention that at all? No. They're not going to discuss Google's plans. No, no OEM is going to go behind their back. I mean, that's really how, like, they're, they're basically waiting for Google to say yes, and, and that's important to realize, that 
any improvements to Android Wear are coming through official channels. So all of these devices have probably been built with these features in mind. Um, but you right now GPS is based on you know your phone. I don't know if this has a GPS antenna in it. It I think it does. I think that's what Google was saying earlier is that it would have you know they would bring GPS support so that you could leave your phone at home and like go for a run and your and your watch would track your yeah. your run instead of your phone. And that's it, what Sony talked about on stage too. It's got four gigabytes of RAM as well, and there's got to be no, a for that. Four, storage. It's, not, it's four gigabytes of storage. Somebody oh, really? made a mistake. Whoops. We'll go back and correct that. Miss Jane, uh, <laughs> that that yeah, reminds me of when we were talking. Or we the other smartwatch that we saw yesterday was the the Zen watch, um, and it reminded me again. I don't know if you remember Daniel when we were at when we were at Google I/O. They said that Google said that they weren't going to allow like third party skins and UIs on on Android Wear for the moment um, because they just wanted everyone to kind of leave it alone. But then ASUS's um, Zen Watch, they were talking about, has like the Zen UI. But it sounds like Asus is doing it via their via like smartphone apps, not too dissimilar to how people are pushing third or new watch faces to the to the watches now, because the watch face API isn't available for Android Wear. So mm -hmm. what they're doing is they're kind of using a workaround in that they they push it to the to the watch via an Android app. And Asus talked about the Zen UI, and it's like the watch's smart companion abilities, but they say that it's all controlled via the via the ZenWatch manager, the ZenWatch camera, and the ZenWatch remote link apps that are, you have to have installed on your phone. So I wonder what Google will, how Google will feel about people kind of shoehorning their own UIs on there and their own experiences in that kind of workaround. Okay, so yeah. Yeah, I, I guess Asus has no choice because nobody gives a shit about the product. So it's, you know, as I've said before, Android Wear is a platform play. I mean, for Motorola especially, even though you can use it with any Android device, they really are pushing you to buy a Moto 360 with a Moto X or a Moto G. I mean, it's, it, you're right, it's more expensive than the Moto G, but it's also something that people will associate with Motorola, and then like, oh, Motorola? That, I heard they also make a phone. Maybe it'll work best with that. Same with this. They want you to, and it's Samsung's especially guilty of this, they want you to use their products together because that is that incentivizes people to stay within their ecosystem, and Android is too dis, um, it's uh, too diffuse to really keep people loyal, because Android is just an idea. It's just a platform on which OEMs build products. So in order to keep people in the same ecosystem, ASUS is like, okay, well we'll make a couple of apps that we need our phones for. Um, I guess you need the phone. I don't know if you do. I didn't. They didn't. They don't specifically say that it only works with Asus phones. Oh well, I guess that makes sense. But still, you know, it it, it makes more of a it, it it incentivizes people to stay within the same ecosystem. Right. Yeah, but so you know, with that that being said, though, like if wearables and smartwatches are even more commoditized than. Uh, Android smartphones. I just failed to see even why. Like the margins on on these devices can't be that high. Like, oh, they're not. Like, like I guess I guess I guess it's just a land grab. Like at this point in time, like people, you know, everyone's got to have this on their portfolio. The uh, the the Zen Watch is actually interesting. That um, with the exception of the the Moto 360, which we just mentioned, is the 
like one of the most expensive Android Wear smartwatches, right? Uh, I think it's around uh, straight up 200 euros, 260 um, yeah. Canadian. Um, it does actually look, you know, it's another one of those smartwatches that actually looks like a watch, so you're probably paying more on the high end for that experience. But, you know, is it the idea here that, like, oh, I would keep my watch longer than I would keep my phone, and because it's an Asus watch, I might use it with a, an Asus phone because it has that that app that I like. I don't I don't think people, you know, we're seeing a situation right now uh, with the slowdown in tablet sales because people don't refresh them uh, at the speed in which they do smartphones. Mm-hmm. Is anyone going to refresh a smartwatch? I think it's. I think they will because we're still so early in, in, I guess, like the smartwatch cycle. Like, I think there's, it still has a long way to go. People... People even now are, are saying, yeah, the people who purchase their smartwatches like in July are going to say, oh, my watch doesn't have GPS, so I can't leave my phone at home and go for a run. Right. And I think it's still it's still way mm-hmm. too early to say people aren't going to refresh them, like in a year or, okay. or so. So, all right. So there was one other piece of. Oh, were you going to sit down? No, I I just um you know, Asus is not a really well known uh, manufacturer in in. Uh, North America. I mean, they, they sell a bunch of tablets, but I think it's it's important it's important to realize that Asus's brand recognition in Asia is enormous. They're the third biggest uh, tablet manufacturer in the world, but they also sell a ton of smartphones. And um, I think that the ZenWatch is just another piece of that ecosystem that they're trying to, uh, you know, they're they're trying to get people to know that they're not just a one trick pony. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll never know because they don't sell their smartphones in, in North America. And the smartphone is always going to be that central hub. But when you have a smartphone business, I asked this to the Motorola CEO today, you need those extra pieces to remind you that you're more than just a smartphone manufacturer. Because if you're, that's the reason that Samsung has become so enormous, is because they have all that other, all those other products to leverage. Mm. And I think Asus is trying that strategy as well. The network effects, yeah, and you know what? To be, to be fair to Asus or Asus, we're gonna go both ways on this pod because that's how we do. Um, they do hit that kind of. Uh, they hit the aesthetic that I think Sony always aims for, but kind of misses. That like that that nice kind of like luxury yeah. hardware kind of look. Agreed. Um, but we should we should talk about what we know that is coming to Canada. Uh, that being the the MemoPad Seven and Jane, you hunted down this story because there's just some weirdness going on with yeah, the it's weird. This, right? Um, yeah, no, because we, we just saw, like, I think Daniel just did, like, a hands-on with the MemoPad 7, like, less, or, like, just about a month ago. And they had, they just, all they did was they switched out the, the processor, um, and it's, it was a 64-bit, like, Atom Z3745 the last time, and now it's the 64-bit Atom Z. 3560, which is clocked at like 1.83 gigahertz instead of 1.33, um, and then it's yeah, it's got more RAM um, and a higher resolution, so like significant jump in display. But they changed the design up, so it just doesn't make sense. Like they changed quite a few things about this device, um, but really, really soon after they they launched the MemoPad 7, like the most recent one. So yeah, so I, I actually I got confirmation from ASUS Canada just before this pod. Right. They said that um, it will not be replacing the recently announced units, okay. but it will be a, a premium version of the memo pad. So, ah, okay. um, you know, the, the the ones that we showed you, they were 1280 by 800 pixels. They yeah. weren't that they weren't that 
premium. This is just going to be their basically tab S equivalent. Yeah. But not branded with a different name, or they just not released that information at this time? Because they, they also had the memo pad like 7 HD too, so where does this sit? Oh, I guess those are being eliminated? I, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting because, you know, the, the resolution uh, increase is significant. Um, I think so is the, the processor switch. Mm-hmm. Um, they've shaved over uh, a millimeter off of uh, the thickness of the tablet, which sounds like nothing but feels like everything. And uh, with this one, uh, Jane, as you uh, so aptly put in the title, uh, it's a Lumia in the front and a clutch purse in the back. They think it's a clutch purse. As someone who owns clutch purses, and I bet that nobody on the team that designed this owns a clutch purse because this doesn't look like a clutch purse. <laughs> but no, I... I, um, I yeah, they're like, supposed to look... And I was, yeah, I was reading about it um, on other sites too, and they were saying, you know, they, they, they're saying it's, you know, they're like, oh, it looks like a, like a clutch purse. Um, and they were, apparently when they were announcing it, they didn't come out and say that it was for women, but they, that was the kind of the impression they gave was that it was like, a beautiful looking device for people who care about style and and yeah they were like definitely pushing the, the purse aspect of it um, and wallets too I guess does it look like a wallet? I don't want a wallet it, but, it, but it looks luxury whatever it looks like it's, yeah it, it is a gorgeous looking device I, I agree okay. I think it looks a whole lot nicer than the last one that oh, we just saw or what we're going to talk about next which is Acer the last of the the flurry of uh, announcements yesterday, and I don't, I don't know if we want to start with the the budget uh, the liquid, Z five hundred, the liquid, or if we want to go uh, with their their tablet line, which is basically uh, a tablet for everyone, the same tablet for everyone with a different name, uh, yeah. the, the Iconia Tab Ten, I can't Iconia. 1.8 and the tab 8 W, W for Windows, were the three that they announced yesterday. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I'd have to, I'd have to touch them to, like, to really know. And it's hard to know when you just look at, you know, a spec sheet or whatever, um, if it's really going to be everything you want it to be. But I've never, never been a fan of Acer hardware, so I'm not that, I'm not about to go crazy. Do we know if these are coming to Canada? I don't think, um, like, they, they have European pricing and, and, they haven't. As of announcement, we have nothing, and I don't think any follow-up uh, brought us confirmation. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's just some kind of like, eh. Acer comes. All the Acer devices end up coming to Canada, and they all <laughs> and they, they all end up like falling in between the cracks. Yeah, and that's what I feel like. Even like when you were like, oh, one more device. I was like, yeah, but yeah, I just can't bring myself to care. Like, there's nothing. It doesn't like at least the the Asus like. Even they have one a month ago, and I'm already like more excited about this because at least it looks nicer, and it like takes some, you know, risks with the design. The 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 Acer just looks, yeah, it just looks like every other tablet that I've hmm. seen for the last year. Yeah, um, and you know the the Liquid Z500 doesn't look. It just looks like what smartphones, what Android smartphones looked like two years ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, Burn. So. All right, guys. I um I, I gotta interrupt you. I'm so sorry. I actually have to run. Oh, okay. Um, but uh, I will be back next week after the um. We'll probably do a special edition, hopefully maybe Tuesday or Wednesday of uh, the podcast to do the um to cover the Apple uh, announcements. Mm-hmm. So I think that'll be fun. 
Um, but I gotta I gotta do my my interviews with um, various moto people. So cool. All right. Well, thank you so right. much for Safe joining travels. us, even yeah. though you're so busy, <laughs> and for bringing us all the all the moto sexiness. It's my pleasure. All right. I'll talk to you right. soon. Bye. Well, on that note, with uh, our fearless leader. Um, off again to Hobnob in Chicago with uh, Motorola CEOs getting the news done. And we were able to run through all of Wednesday's announcements. Yeah, I'm, I'm impressed. We didn't, tackle, we didn't tackle Thursdays, all the uh, Microsoft Lumia stuff. Uh, Huawei, did I pronounce that Huawei. right? Huawei, yeah. Huawei. Uh, also had a few design, device announcements. I'm sure we're going to see a few more. Obviously, next week is the, is the big Apple announcement. So uh, let's call this part one. Of a of a thrifty two parter. Um, shout outs to everyone in the comments from last week. Uh, we're out. Hardware plenty. Bye. Subscribe on iTunes. Rate us five stars. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 